that's a bet, right? That's a deal, right? That's a deal. Today, we're kicking off our journey with an episode that will take us through the astounding success story of one of the most iconic brands, Starbucks. And before we dive into the mind-blowing numbers and staggering growth, let me throw a question at you. Is Starbucks a coffee shop or is Starbucks a bank? And if you answer that Starbucks is a coffee shop, is it at least or could it at least be morphing into a financial institution right before your eyes? It's a question that's not just bewildering, but has shaken up the perceptions of many in the financial world today. But my question is, is it ethical? That's the real debate, in my opinion. And before we explore the ethical question and enter into those waters, let's step into a realm where a cup of coffee isn't just a drink, but it's a blueprint for an empire called Starbucks. You might be sipping on a $7.52 matcha from Starbucks right now, like me, but in a few moments, you'll question how that seemingly simple beverage is tied to a financial powerhouse, being the 347th largest bank in the world, according to the Wall Street Journal, bringing in approximately $36 billion, not million, billion dollars a year with a valuation of $114 billion. And in the last 12 months, Starbucks has raked in a revenue of about $36 billion and earned approximately $4 billion after after all costs and expenses. In the last year alone, they have seen a 11.55% growth, approximately. But from a cup of coffee? Can someone please explain this? So let's unpack this. Starbucks isn't just a coffee shop. It's a bank. Apparently, operating in a reality entirely of its own making. In the kicker, it's all legal. And this is more than just turning heads. It's sending chills through the halls of so many other financial institutions. The CEO of South Korea's third largest financial group stated that Starbucks is an unregulated bank, not a mere coffee shop. If this isn't enough to stir your espresso this morning, another bank official was quoted saying that Starbucks is a fintech firm. A fintech firm. A fintech firm. So what's so crazy about that is that a fintech firm refers to companies that, you know, leverage technology to provide innovative financial services or solutions. And these firms aim to improve and streamline traditional financial services by incorporating cutting edge tech into all of their operations. Fintech covers just like a broad spectrum of services and products ranging from mobile banking apps, robo-advisors, blockchain applications, peer-to-peer lending platforms. And for example, that would be like mobile payment apps like PayPal, um, which are considered fintech companies. They provide users with convenient and efficient alternatives to traditional banking services. And this fintech world that we're in is continuously evolving, especially when we start to bring in the topic of AI. And this means that they, Starbucks, could get involved in asset management, currency exchange, loans, and insurance sectors, which it's just crazy. Like, I don't even know what to say to that. 
I mean, I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think Starbucks will do next? Or what do you believe that the goal is in the industry um, that they are in? But the real question still remains, is it ethical? I really want to know what you guys think on this ethical question. So let me know. And okay, I'll talk, but how is this even possible? How is it a bank or how would it become one? Imagine walking to Starbucks, ordering a pumpkin spice latte or a cafe Americano with two pumps of cinnamon dulce syrup, one pump of pumpkin syrup, a splash of milk. Oh, and let me get whipped cream on that as well and cinnamon dulce sprinkles to, you know, top it all off. And all while you wait to consult with a loan officer to take out a mortgage. I mean, that's crazy. That might be our future. And I can't help but laugh on that one, honestly. So now let's spill the coffee beans about the little green app on your phone, the Starbucks app. You know, the one where you keep loading up on your virtual gift card, or maybe you're snagging those last minute holiday or birthday presents. Well, from October to December of 2020 alone, a whopping $3 billion found its way onto those gift cards. Yep. $3 billion. You could literally build a whole city with that level of money. And here is the real plot, though. We, as consumers, are unknowingly providing Starbucks with a $3 billion loan. And get this, it's at a very nice interest rate of, drumroll please, 0%. Again, you can't help but laugh. Like, again, they are literally in their own reality, for real, because... They even have their own language that took me about a year to learn. The whole grande ventito. I mean, that's the kind, like, this is the kind of loan terms that even the most seasoned bankers would be like, huh? And raise their eyebrows at. I mean, does this kind of loan term for that amount of money exist anywhere in the world? And if these interest-free loans are a thing in the real banking world, someone please let me in on the secret so I can join that party. Like, I'm ready to join the club. Just send me the invite here. (laughs) I think I need a moment to catch my breath because believe it or not, we're collectively providing some mysterious entity. Okay, maybe not mysterious. In this case, it's Starbucks with a $3 billion loan at 0% interest. Take that in for a second. Now, $3 billion might sound like just another number, but let's put it into perspective. More than 3,900 banks across the U.S. have less than $1 billion in total assets, according to the FDIC, and Starbucks is holding on to $3 billion. What's even crazier is that Starbucks taps into this revenue before you've even made your purchase. Think about that, though. If Starbucks hits a rough patch, your coffee funds might be at risk. Or picture this scenario. Everyone decides to use their Starbucks money all at once. So quick shout out to the brave souls out there rumored to have $10,000 loaded onto their Starbucks card right now. Because it's definitely not a bank in this reality. Sorry, Starbucks. (laughs) Starbucks can take their $3 billion 0% interest loan we gave them and use this mountain of money to invest in the market, earn profits for free, or spend it on expanding their business. It's financial maneuvering at its boldest, and we're just scratching the surface here. Well, guess what? The craziness doesn't stop there. Brace yourselves because this is where it gets even more mind-blowing. About 10% of the money loaded onto the Starbucks gift cards is destined for a fate of forgetfulness or loss, never to be sipped or 
savored. So in the finance realm, they call this breakage, where a chunk of the loaded money just vanishes into thin air, or in Starbucks case, a caffeine-infused abyss, whatever that means. So let's put that into perspective. In 2019, 2018, and 2017, Starbucks, according to its annual report, found the breakage income of $125 million, $155.9 million, and $104.6 million, respectively. I'm going to let that resonate for a few seconds. But the thing is, like, Starbucks is not a bank legally. So with only a few exceptions, your Starbucks balance can't be converted into cash like it's an ATM. Nope, it's strictly for coffee. And guess what? This little legal nuance allows Starbucks to sidestep financial regulations and use your deposit money however it pleases. And I love all the legal nuances because in one more semester, I would have graduated law school. So I really want to dive into this. So now let's take a quick trip to the world of banks. In your typical bank, if you deposit money, you can walk in and withdraw it whenever you please. It's a deal they've got going on called fractional reserve banking. And this is designed to maintain financial stability. It's the backbone of our monetary system managed by the Central Bank and Monetary Authority of the United States. But Starbucks, oh no, they don't have to play by those rules. No need for reserves or worry glances at potential mass withdrawals. Starbucks quite literally dances to their own beat. Like I said, they live in some other reality. So Who are the masterminds orchestrating this coffee-fueled phenomenon, as I'll call it? I mean, they aren't the pioneers of the concept, but pulling off this grand-scale success with a $7 coffee, or in my case, a $7.52 matcha, just baffles me and truly qualifies them as absolute geniuses. It's like they executed a master plan right under all of our noses. So back in 1971, Jerry, Zeb, and Gordon kickstarted this whole thing in Seattle. I'm going to try to pronounce their whole names. I don't want to butcher them or anything. And their mentor, Alfred, the Dutchman, who, as they say, taught America how to drink coffee, played a crucial role. I believe every business mind just needs a good mentor or at least a reliable source of knowledge. I don't want to get too much off track, but take Warren Buffett's mentor, Benjamin Graham, who wrote The Intelligent Investor. And if you haven't read that book and you're dipping your toes into investing, I'd strongly recommend it. You can actually find it in my Amazon store along with a bunch of other valuable books. To me, a good mentor is just key because they're going to provide so many invaluable insights and guidance. It's literally like having a compass in the business road. I mean, when going through the journey of entrepreneurship, what more could you ask for? A wealth of experience and connections that you just can't find that in the book. But I want to get back on track. So let's get back to Starbucks. Starbucks began as a little coffee bean store and then enters Howard, who in 1980, as the marketing director, transformed it into a coffee shop that we all know today. Keyword there, marketing. And fast forward to today, and Starbucks has over 381,000 employees with Laxman wearing the CEO hat. Starbucks is just a global giant. And the only counterpart in the global market cap league is McDonald's, in my opinion. And McDonald's is not just a restaurant. It's a real estate business, but that's a story for another day. So how did they evolve from a tiny coffee shop 
and Seattle to a global powerhouse with over 35,711 stores worldwide. Keyword, marketing. I mean, everyone knows about the infamous pumpkin spice latte. It goes way back to the original pumpkin spice latte commercial at Starbucks. That's the power of marketing. But for Starbucks, it's more than just marketing, in my opinion. It's a blend of philosophy, strategy, and I would say communication. Picture this. I mean, think about it. When you pull up to a a Starbucks, they are always like, hi, welcome to Starbucks. I hope you're having a great day because we are, may I take your order? Do you want to try our pub pastry today? Like they just have good customer service compared to some other chains. It reminds me of the famous TikTok girl who's always like, I hope you have a great day, not just a good day. And just to compare, I remember last time I was at Jimmy John's with my mom, I was like, I would like a number four turkey time with no tomatoes. Like I always get at Jimmy John's. And the person taking my order was like, oh, you don't want tomatoes on your sandwich? You don't like tomatoes? Who doesn't like tomatoes? Where are you from? You must be from out south. I'm looking at the little intercom where, you know, you say your order, like, excuse me, like I'm kind of taken aback. Like, can I just finish ordering my sandwich? I don't like tomatoes. I don't want them on my sandwich. (laughs) So compared to other things I've experienced, Starbucks is definitely like a 10 out of 10. So let's talk a little bit about brand strategy. No matter if you're in the hustle and bustle of New York, enjoying the California sun, taking in the windy city vibes of, you know, Chicago, or just soaking up that Southwestern charm in New Mexico. When you step into a Starbucks, you're in for the same experience. And that, my friends, is where the magic of consistency comes into play. A cohesive brand says, we know who we are and we're here to stay. Ever had an amazing Starbucks experience in one city and expected the same in another? That's the power of consistency. So, like I live in Chicago. In Chicago, we have the biggest Starbucks in the world. No matter if I stop in on Michigan Avenue before I go to my law school classes or go to a more boutique Starbucks in the suburbs, I get the same experience. One's just more busy. And meeting or exceeding customer expectation just builds this loyalty we all have with Starbucks, at least my loyalty. It's like a comforting routine and we all love predictability. I mean, that's just human nature. It's just a well-oiled machine that they built and that's what every business can hope for. In a world full of options, standing out is crucial. A consistent brand not only stands out, but also stays top of mind. And that's a competitive advantage right there over Dunkin' Donuts, over Dutch Bros, and so many more. For example, at Dunkin', I can go to one Dunkin' near my house, and they have a special breakfast taco, which is amazing, by the way, but I've never been able to get those tacos anywhere else at any other Dunkin', not even the one that's five minutes away. It's just not as predictable. So I've lost trust in certain Dunkins, if that makes sense in layman terms. Because if I pull into a Dunkin' at 7.55 a.m. to get a matcha and a breakfast taco and I have to be at work at 8 a.m., maybe I shouldn't be there if I had to be at work in five minutes. But they better have that breakfast taco. So Starbucks doesn't just sell coffee. It's the idea. It sells an experience. The friendly greetings, the aroma, and the ambiance contribute to the overall customer experience. Businesses can just learn the importance of creating a positive and memorable customer journey for the consumers. So when you think about it in layman terms, once more, Starbucks has successfully built a community. 
The coffee shops are not just places to grab a drink. They're social hubs. I mean, we literally use an entirely new language when we go to Starbucks, Venti Grande Tall. It took me the longest time to get it together there until I started going more frequently. I literally would be like, can I just get a small? It would be like, tall? No, I'd be like small and they'd be like tall. It just used to bother me because why is the small name tall? Like, I feel like that's my biggest beef with Starbucks anyway. Um, there's also the partnerships, which I'm victim to. The Delta Sky Miles, the incentive to get a Starbucks coffee over other coffee shops because it comes with benefits. And yes, I say I'm a victim to this incentive because I mean if you do the math you need to spend like $35,000 on coffee to get a free trip from the east coast to the west coast like I don't even know what to say to that yeah so if you log into your delta app and go to the recent activity I spent $14 on starbucks so I had 14 miles for example yeah because it's gonna take I don't know how many years of buying starbucks to three times a week to get a free round trip And when I do, I will know that this flight cost me $35,000. All I can do is shake my head right now. So as consumers, we find ourselves just entangled in this web where a simple cup of coffee comes with an attached value proposition, blurring the lines between consumption and investment. But also with that comes a lot of problems with this success. All of the red controversies, all of the employee walkouts, the cancel culture, the media attention. Think about how the current world events today have a chokehold on Starbucks. The story of Starbucks is not just about coffee. It's a narrative that intertwines with the very fabric of modern society, shaping how we perceive not only our daily caffeine fix, but also the broader implications of business and all the things that we can learn from them. So if I have to give three takeaways from all this, starting with lesson one, I feel like in the realm of entrepreneurship, navigating the intricate dance with technology has become the defining feature of success. And as we stand on the center of a digital era, the realization is, is that technology is not merely a tool, but it's your ally in the journey towards building a successful business. Starbucks and its app, it's a dynamic force, to say the least. The second lesson would be, it's not just about selling a product or service. It's about creating a community. I think back to my mom's business. She owned a daycare. And at certain points, I remember she had to turn new people away because the state said she could not provide for any more children. The word travels fast on the street when you provide a community and more than just a product or service to shove at people. It's human nature to want to feel connected. People still come back looking till this day for the daycare after they've graduated college and parents come back to give updates. Literally, they sit on our couches and they just tell us stories. And so it's about community at the end of the day as well, not just selling the product. Today, I think I've answered a lot of my own questions after this podcast about how Starbucks is so successful. It's as if Starbucks is the Elon Musk of the coffee world, quite literally. They've got this financial alchemy kind of going on, turning our coffee runs into a hidden stock market of sorts. It goes beyond just selling coffee, though, as we talked about here today. I mean, the idea of a huge corporation entering the financial services industry isn't new. But if Starbucks were to do something like this, the banking world would be something else in the future, not as we know it now. 
Currently, we can open bank accounts on the internet. So the question is, why not the same while getting your coffee at Starbucks? The lesson here is to explore those unconventional revenue streams. Are there untapped opportunities in your business model? Could you diversify your offerings or explore new partnerships to strengthen your financial standing? Let me know how you are going to apply what you learned here to your own life, your own business, your own career. This is just food for thought until next Tuesday on the Billionaire Blueprints Network podcast, and we're out.